Well, today's special 4th of July show comes with a great American, a great Golden Eagle, a great friend of mine, and a teammate of mine from back in the day at Southern Miss. That's right. Today's show is with the one and only Air Force Colonel Kendall Dunn and KD. How are you doing, man? Doing well, man. Doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good, man. We talk all the time, but I thought this would be perfect, man. Fourth of July, I have my All-American friend on, man. No well, doubt. Definitely don't feel worthy to do it. You know, speaking for Golden Eagle, speaking for America, but I'll do my best, man. I'll do my hey, best. KD, by the time we get done with this show, I'm not going to feel worthy of everything you're doing or what you've done, especially yeah, right. with this country, man, for Southern Miss. So, but man, let, let's let's tie you into Mississippi real quick, man. I mean, you were born and raised in New Orleans on the West Bank, but you finished at Gulfport High School, man, GPT. Yeah. I mean, you an all-star down there. How's that growing up on the Gulf Coast, man? Oh, man, the Gulf Coast was great, man. You grew up in New Orleans. I grew up in New Orleans. Um, you know, one day my dad's like, hey, we're moving to Mississippi. And, dude, all I knew was rednecks, no offense. You know, we all kind of become one <laughs> in Mississippi. But, man, the Gulf Coast back then was, uh, dude, it was a great place. It still is, but it was a small town with a beach, man. And I moved here in the ninth grade, you know, big, big, ugly kid from New Orleans, you know, six, one or so. And all of a sudden you show up for ninth grade and ninth grade football down here. So you were kind of like the, you know, the new big kid on campus and dude, I wasn't a football player. And, uh, I just, I saw a kid that was super athletic and I did what he did. I just tried to do it faster. kind of faked the funk a little bit and dude, <laughs> fake the funk. I heard that. <laughs> I did. I faked the funk a little bit and, um, you know, kind of tried hard and, and dude wound up becoming pretty good and moved on to uh, high school. Uh, coaches like me back then, you know, how recruiting is, it's different now, you know, shoot, I don't even know if I could get recruited now, but back then your coaches would put your name on stuff and say, hey, this is a kid to look for. And, you know, it was what it was, but the Gulf coast is great, man. It still is great place to live. A lot more New Orleans influence now, you know, over in Hancock County, man, they sell t-shirts to say Hancock Parish. There's so many Louisiana folks, but, uh, <laughs> <Parish>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, it was great, man. It was great. I'm very blessed to move over here and uh, get a great opportunity and be um, influenced by some great people, man. Heck yeah, man. I was blessed to be your teammate at Southern Miss. And we're going to get in all those Southern Miss stories soon enough, man. But I want to do you justice about what you're doing right now. And, and first up, only said Air Force Colonel Kendall Dunn, but give everybody that full military title you got, man. <laughs> yeah, so right now I'm in the uh, Air Force Reserves with the 53rd Weather Reconnaissance Squadron, so I'm a lieutenant colonel, uh, pilot with them, evaluator pilot. So, yeah, man, basically we fly into hurricanes looking for data, you know, the center of storms. So that's what we do. Man, and it's incredible, man. And I'm telling everybody right here, people say I'm a tough guy. No, no, no. This guy right here, you talk about balls of steel. You probably heard that before. Well, Kendall Dunn has balls of steel, man. He's been a hurricane hunter for 11 years. And, and KD, walk the people through what it is like going through a hurricane. Because I can't picture. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you know, man, so we do a lot of air shows and different things. And we talk about everybody's been through a car wash, right? It, it basically, on a windscreen aircraft, it looks like that, man. But here's the problem. You're in an airplane, you're flying in this thing, getting in a storm. So 200-mile-an-hour car wash, uh, you know, fighting to get through the storm, through the eye wall, some of the strongest ones I've been through, man, 200-mile-an-hour winds, and you just feel that plane just fighting, and you're fighting it, and then, boom, you just pop out in the middle. Man, it's a, it's a great feeling to pop out in the middle, dude. It's some of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen is getting in the middle of a hurricane, man. 
Yeah, beautiful getting to the middle of a hurricane, man. That's what I'm saying. You got a balls of steel even say that. But, man, <laughs> speaking of which, you talk about big, you know, hurricane mile an hour winds you flew in, man. You were on Fox News explaining what had happened last year. Hurricane Ian, that was a monster storm that went through Florida. You explained it kind of as a near-death experience, man. Talk to me about you and your crew going through Hurricane Ian. Yeah, man. So Hurricane Ian was kind of Ian was uh, what you want to call a defining moment, man, a life changer, to be honest with you. Um, you know, basically two weeks leading up to that storm, up to that flight, I had been deployed St. Croix, Curacao, where flying a few different storms. And then I flew in, Ian, what was just a, you know, small tropical depression on my way back to Keesler. And then we get back to Keesler a couple of days later to like, you know, it's now a Cat 4 major storm. And they're like, hey, we need some more pilots. So they put an all call. I go in there and I start flying. Anyway, we get in the thing and, dude, it is rough. So people don't realize we're the only people that do this in the world. So there's 10 airplanes. Um, there's another research unit, uh, NOAA. They have a P3, one plane, and they fly through it. But they're doing research. So anyway, uh, they're flying at 8,000 feet. We're at 10,000 feet. Um and they're releasing uh, these remote control drones. So it's some new technology we're working on. Anyway, those guys were going through and we were about 20 minutes out from hitting the eye wall and they were in the eye wall and uh, we could see them on radar. Anyway, I call them up, you know, I'm like, Hey, Noah four, two. And they're like, stand by eye wall. And I was like, I remember my first eye wall, you know, you was, you know, kind of thing. Well, dude, all of a sudden we're getting into the eye wall and the plane is just getting rocked i mean rocked and i'm like man this ain't normal the plane itself everybody can understand the the plane doesn't know man the plane if we're flying at twenty six thousand feet flying i don't know california and the winds are 100 miles an hour it's going to react those kind of winds you know so it doesn't know what it's doing but let me tell you what that hurricane was balling us up like a piece of paper dude we were 20 degrees nose high 20 degrees nose low fast slow because we have a turbulent penetration airspeed we fly to make sure we don't break anything dude we were just getting crushed and then so when we popped out in the middle i was like holy cow and they were calling us you know they were like you know teal 71 or whatever and i'm like stand by wall and uh, by the time we got in there we started discussing with those guys they um over g their aircraft basically exceeded their limits we were close to ours but i tell you what was uh exceeded was my my comfort dude i'm gonna tell you right now that seat cushion was up my butt. It was not fun. Um, and I've showed you some radar pictures. I mean, the, the amount of turbulence that was inside the eye wall. Obviously, once you get in the eye, it's very calm. You know, it's it's just pretty inside. We've all talked about hurricanes passing over your house, and it's calm. But holy cow, dude, that was a significant emotional event. And here's the thing: this is this is uh, this is where the flying stuff gets crazy. So I was the aircraft commander, man, like the captain of a ship. We had 20 people on board. And when this flight's all over with, man, you start reflecting. You're like, golly, dude, 20-something people were dependent on you and that other dude to save their life. And, dude, there was no, like, I hope somebody's going to do it. It's me and this other guy with the controls in our hands. So very few jobs in the world you ever get to save your own life. You know, no more airline pilots. I mean, great dudes. But it's it's pretty benign. You know, there's rare opportunities to, like, save everybody's life you know other than you going in for a landing don't smack the ground but um but this was uh a no crap situation where we had to you know make uh major inputs not to kill us and the problem is dude 
you get in the eye wall, guess what's got to happen? You got to, you get in the eye, you got to go out the other side. And then we flew it. And once we get out and it was like, Oh man, never doing that again. Guess what I did? I decided we're going to go to the weakest point and do it again. Mistake. Um, but anyway, long story we lived, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big time. Oh man. K- Katie, like I said, you were making national news with that story, man. I talk about tough football stories. It's eh, nothing compared to going through 150, 200 mile an hour hurricane, whatever winds y'all deal with, man. But, Man, what a story right there. And it, it just, geez, wow. Yeah, and, the, and the reason, and what people don't know, the reason it went nationwide is because media flies with us. So we had uh, CNN, Fox News, both Telemundo and the other Mexi- um, you know, Southern, um, what do you call it? Uh, South American channels. All those folks were with us. So we had the Fox News girl on there and she was like, wow, that was really bad. There were people throwing up. I said, yep, worst, worst experience of my life. And then that and then it just blew up, you know, I was on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and everybody wanted to talk to me about, you know, how we lived, basically. Golly, yeah, no, your face was all over media. I'm like, people texting me, look, KD on Fox News, CNN, you know, every major outlet. I'm like, my dog's on TV. Hey, Explain but this is, but this is a, I hate to tell you, this is a radio face. I should not be on TV, but it is. KD, you are a sexy, beautiful American. If you ever tell me otherwise, I'm going to drive Drop down there. We're going to have a conference. You know better, man. You know better. I hear you. Come on, man. Hey, in that plane, I've always had a question, dude. I mean, much less humans go through that. How does this plane make it through it? It's called the Super Hercules, right? Super Hercules? Yeah. yeah it's, How, it's, what is it made of? Like space yeah. and stuff? Man? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, this plane, I mean, they drew this stuff on slide rule on paper back in the 58. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same design. Obviously, it's been upgraded, new technology, all that stuff. But, uh, Dude, as far as the wing box and all the stuff that attaches, it's a normal C-130. But wow. the, th- the thing is, we just slow down, you know, kind of like if you take a big speed bump, you know, at 80 miles an hour versus five, that's what we do, slow down so the plane can flex and it can, uh, uh, you know, take all the jolting and jiving and stuff. But, but dude, I'm going to tell you right now, we have G limits, and um, we were really close to them on some of the stuff we went through. I mean, basically free-falling. You know, some of the numbers, there were some good articles that were written, not because I was in it, but about that storm. And this one guy was a super nerd, dude, um, coffee or die guy. He wrote this thing and he he had all the numbers from the airplane because the data is open source. And, dude, we fell 600. We climbed 600, fell 1,000, 600. I mean, we did this for five minutes, dude, and this, and this, and this. It was, you know, many people have flown on aircraft on a hot day, climbing out of an airport to get those little bumps. Nah, nothing compared to the, what we went through, man. Golly, man, it amazes me that stink, it stays apart, man, but it stays together. I'm saying that's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Man, great yeah. stories right there, Katie. I want to share with the Southern Miss folks. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into Southern Miss stories very soon. But, man, you had a beautiful thing happen numerous times to you, man. You've been able to do, being a former Southern Miss football player, being able to fly over Southern Miss games at the Rock pregame, man. What does that feel like, man? I played there, and these people watch me fly over it. I know, man. Um, I'll tell you, that that first time I did it, man, it's pretty cool. I brought my helmet with me. I really – I really <laughs> – like, I brought my helmet with me. I got all excited. It was cool, man. We had our commander with us. He wanted to do it because, you know, dude, well, we, we played Division One football at Southern Miss. You know, we've all – we all know what Southern Miss's programs kind of become right now. We want to come back. But, dude, when we played, it was the pinnacle, dude. We won conference championship. You know, 
D1 football. We were D1 defensive players. I mean, that's a big deal. So anyway, you know, getting asked to do this flyover, dude, it was, it's super cool. You know, we flew over earlier, marked a point on the field, and then we flew out and basically talking to these guys and like, hey, we want you to fly over this time. And I'm like, all right, dude, we'll be there because this aircraft will tell you how, you know, ahead or behind. And, uh, man, we said it. We did the run in. We had the tailgate open, some guys hanging out, and you just push it up. You know, we don't have afterburner, you know, all that all that cool, loud noise. But, you know, it, it was cool. I mean, but it was super cool. And I just – I don't know. I felt like I was playing again. I mean, I hate to yeah. hate to say it. It was pretty exciting. And who would have thought, man? I mean, dude, all those times we were dying and stuff on the field. I mean, I dreamed about being in the military, and I wanted to be a pilot since I was a kid but I never thought I'd do a flyover. Are you kidding? <laughs> Man, that, that's incredible. And, uh, yeah, texting with you about it, messaging with you about it, and just been, been at games, and that's my guy up there flying over, man. Uh -oh. It's just incredible. But, KD, yeah, let's get into Southern Miss stuff, man. Let's go back to the glory days, kind of how you hinted on, where basically if you didn't get a scholarship offer from the SEC, man, you literally went to Southern Miss. I mean, you know, we were – that's why we were so dang talented. Hey, I and, always uh, tell the story, though – I hate to say this, but I went and visited State. Man, I looked around. I said, "What is that?" They said, "Cow pastures." I drove home, bro. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> hey, feel feel free to talk bad about State and Ole Miss on this show. You know, right. I I, I kind of dig Mississippi State a little bit, but don't get me started with Ole Miss. So, but feel <laughs> free, right. whatever you want. This is a Southern Miss show, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we. But, I mean, we, go ahead. yeah. <laughs> But that well, 93, man, we get there together. And, you know, we weren't the biggest recruits, and it kind of put a chip on our shoulder, man. And what that did, if you ask me, man, it made for the best scout team in 93. I read sure you that's ever been there. Dude. I mean, we fought, we clawed, we did everything dude. we could to get in that field. So, dude, man, talk tell, about that, that red shirt you a little bit. Dude, I, you know, you know, I got a son going to college this year, you know, and his move-in is going to be nothing like, you know, ours, I mean, we got there early, right? True freshmen got there early and they were like, the veterans come in in four days and stuff. And you're looking around, you know, and you and I had played in an all-star game. So that was like our first taste of that competition that wasn't, you know, your homeboys that you grew up with at your high school. Now, dude, it's like the best of the best. And we knew each other as far as looking each other up, newspaper back then, no, no social media, you know, but, uh, but, man, showing up, you kind of eyeing everybody up, you know, and you and I, our lockers were super close, you know, back in that old freshman locker room. And, dude, you just get out there and you're in your shorts and your your jerseys and your helmet, you run around. I, I don't think we wore helmets the first couple of days, did we? We weren't allowed I, I don't. To. I don't remember helmets on. I mean, it, it, it really made it rough on rookies on first year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. And then, uh, you know, just clowning and cutting up and just the personalities you had and get out on the field. But then, man, then when the vets showed up, that was a, you were seeing grown men you know you and i still had baby fat on us i mean these dudes had veins in their fingernails dude never dude, seen anything the most intimidating sights i saw you remember i mean we had a defensive end bobby hamilton who played for years in the nfl his nickname was zeus dude but i'm a freshman coming in undersized and then the starting middle linebacker tyrone nix's calves were as big as my head <laughs> they were I'm like man. i'm like i'm never gonna play i mean it was man. intimidating a little bit yeah i mean and just think you know like when we were on scout team and then when the you know they go right into first offense and they're like you know my true freshman year dude we sprinted through all the defensive ends i don't know if you remember that i was in a defensive end room you know we had what six deep and everybody got hurt latson 
Robinson always got all of a sudden they're like, KD, you probably gonna travel. So, dude, I like played, you know, with the starting team. I'm on playing defense against all these guys. I'm like, what in the world? You had the tie beachings in the world. This dude, six ten, his arms. I mean, he could, dude, he could scratch your head in Lafayette right now from <laughs> where I'm at. But uh, it, it was just insane, dude. I've never seen anything like that. Oh man, that, yeah, that was an incredible year adjusting to D one football, man, and. But real quick, you hit on some of the all-star games because I got to do this because we're best buds, man. So, um, you know, Louisiana had an all-star game, but that was just for the state. But Mississippi, Alabama. Mississippi, Alabama. All-star. Yes. And I learned how big a deal that was. You played in it. And damn it, KD, that's all you talked about yeah. was the Mississippi, Alabama all-star game. You know what well, I'm talking about. Because I'm going to tell you, dude, because <laughs> that game, bro, we played. I mean, think about um, – Damian Craig was the starting quarterback. Freddie Kitchen from Alabama. Will Friend. All dude, all these guys going to Alabama and Auburn. Dude, we beat them like they stole something from us, man. <laughs> so good, dude. And you know, we had so many Alabama players that played with us. It was just fun talking about. It. Man, I got to the point when I saw you. I'm like, is about to talk about the Mississippi Alabama All-Star game again? I guess so. Here we go. Alabama. Well, yeah, but man, we toughened up that red shirt year, man. We would fight, we, cr- we clawed, we scrapped everything we got. And then, man, what, what led to something cool our freshman year, man, with Louisiana guys, you know, you finished at Gulfport, obviously, in high school. But, man, that LSU game in 94. Man, man. I'm going to let you do the talking because I've talked about it so many times. No, what that LSU no. game and that win mean to you? Dude, and, you know, in the go back that year, dude, it was crazy as a redshirt freshman, you know, to, like, start against Alabama. You know, I can remember the, the shoes I was wearing, you know, start against Alabama, dude. We had – uh didn't they have the painter back then? You know, the, was it Sherman Sherman Williams or whatever his name Sherman was? Sherman Williams, yep. The painter. They called it the painter. <laughs> and, dude, and then, you know, to hit a guy like that and catch him off guard and actually tackle him and knock him back, it was like, wow, I can play in this league, you know, and play against these guys. Now, also, you know, a guard got up under my pads and threw me on the ground like I was, you know, nothing. But anyway, but, you know, fast forward to that LSU game. Dude, you know, Louisiana guys, my dad was a Tulane fan. But, you know, we're, I was LSU dude and um, them Tigers, man. But to get in Death Valley, you know, my I had family there that were LSU fans, you know, uh, lived in Baton Rouge. So it was cool to see all them. Um, I mean, crap, you had a tiger cage. You had all – dude, and it was just funny, all the uh, the Louisiana people, man. I remember we were staying on sidelines after we came off the field and the coaches were talking to us. Dude, I remember there was this guy screaming. He was like, 95, sit down. And then I'm I'm not paying attention. He's like, 95, sit down. You GD and mother F. And I turn around. <laughs> and dude, if you remember the stadium, they kind of like dug it down. But back then, the first few seats were like field level. Like you couldn't see anything. And that guy's screaming at me to sit down because he couldn't see. And we're about to go in the game. And his little kids are waving at me. Good Louisiana people. But I mean <laughs> – Dude, it, it was just – it was amazing, dude. And, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, you got that – that was a fumble you got, huh, when it towards the end zone. Was that a fumble or a pick? Are you, are you talking about late in the game, Patrick? Yeah. You might be late in the game. Patrick Sertan picked off that pass to set off Chris Pierce's 52-yard field goal? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. that one. Remember we were all just going crazy in the end zone? Oh, and man. Just, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it was just insane, dude. You had that neck roll, and I just remember we were grabbing each other's shoulder pads <laughs> on the ground. I mean, if we could kiss through those freaking uh, helmets. <laughs> but it was incredible. I mean, I remember we were on field goal team and people jumping over us. I remember them throwing liquor bottles at us, the little liquor bottles guy. It was – remember Harold Shaw, like, 
he did something. All of a sudden, I'm like, what are they hitting him with? It was all those little liquor bottles, man. It was it was Dude, awesome. they, were th- they were throwing stuff at us. Beer all over. We may have and, – and we stayed. Remember, security had to kick us out. They, were, they kicked us out. Literally, yeah, we, we wouldn't get on the – <laughs> Oh, man. It was Roddy LSU fans, brother, but we showed them right. that night. But, uh, right. hey, man, but we had great bonds, man, built there. And, unfortunately, athletic dorms aren't really around anymore, man. But we had band – hall to live in if you say what i miss most about football it's not necessarily even the games man it's van hall and the guys hanging with you nah, van hall. dude when they tore down van hall i wish we'd have gotten an all call to go get a brick you know what i mean yeah. like yes it, it broke my heart man when i went back i'm like dude they tore it down already you know i knew it was going but um yeah man the bonds we had dude that's what turned me on to southern miss dude i the uh my recruiting visit um Will Sims was my host, you know, and Brian Burns. It was one of those perfect nights. And, dude, there was somebody shooting a bow and arrow, compound bow, down the hall. <laughs> you know, people would shoot <laughs> And I was like, dude. That's Burns shooting, shooting an arrow. Yeah. Dude, it was a madhouse. I was like, dude, I am coming here, dude. I canceled all my other visits. I'm like, I am going to this school, dude. And it was so much fun. Dude, all that kind of stuff, it, it still shocks you looking back. I don't remember security ever really coming in the halls. We did some serious stuff in Van Allen. We got away with. Let's call it what it is, man. Dude, but, I, I mean, you find that. Oh, I can't. I start to say you find that. No, anyway. I mean, just, there was we'll bats. Somebody catch a bat outside, let it loose in the hall. I'm like, what is going on in this place? Burns with the ten foot python feeding bunnies in the hall. You know, too. Oh, but, I mean, like, dude, like this is. But this is what it was. But man, <laughs> so many stories we go to me and you. I mean, we, we were great teammates, great friends. But, man, there's one edit. I don't know. It's just – it makes me laugh. So I was playing Sega, just hanging out, because I love playing my video games in my dorm. And, and you all of a sudden come to the door, and you're having a bad day. And you're like, Marshan, hey, man, I'm just in the mood to get tore up. Let's do it up tonight. I'm like, I threw my – let's do it. I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm uh, Yes. I'm the Uncle Bear. I'm the Uncle yeah, Bear. Took it to the frat house, got a fifth of crown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, and the thing was, you and I weren't that big of drinkers, you know, but that night we were cool. <laughs> we, we made a bond that night that will never be forgotten. That was a great night, dude. That was but, a God, Yeah, we'll tell the stories off air. But, man, but talking about that, that was great. Little bonds like that were built at Van Hall. And next day, I remember seeing you. My boy had a bad day. I put a smile on his face with a fifth That's of it. crown. That's a fifth it. of crown. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to fast forward a little bit too to uh, when we get to the Georgia game. But is it, out of respect to you, is there anything you want to hit on from the '95 season before that started '96? Man, it, you know, uh, just two days, man. Let's just mention two days real quick. <laughs> you know, there's. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, five years of two days, they don't even do them anymore. People have no concept, you know. Like my my favorite thing because when I joined the military and you go to any kind of training, it's super hot. They talk about being a heat casualty, man. I'll never forget, dude. We had a, uh, it was a hell of a morning practice and we were getting rocked and, and, um, just beat up and I'm, and, you know, we're running off. So coach blows it up, gives a speech, you know, see y'all at the afternoon practice. I'm running off and I hear coach Williams, Katie. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I run back, I'm like, yes, sir. And for y'all don't know, Coach Williams is our running back coach. And yeah, obviously I was a D lineman. I was like, what you got? He goes, let me tell you something, Katie. You missed my punt team meeting. And I looked, I mean, this is my third year, you know, and I'm like, punt team meeting. I said, sir, what did I, I didn't, I, 
You're supposed to take the schedule every day. I put you on punt team because we need to win. We need you. He's giving me his whole speech. I'm like, all right. So he goes, you know what happens when you miss a meeting? And I was like, uh, and it was a dude, it was a thousand yards up downs. Remember that? Oh, yes. Oh, anyway, he's like, let's go. It was just me and him, Jim Gillespie and a trainer with some water. And, dude, and, and Jim's there. They're, they're trying to make sure you don't die. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and that was the thing, man. It's like, so I up downs. I'm kind of doing them slow. And um, I'll never forget. I had about 200 more to go. And coach goes, hey, if you sprint these, this will be your last ones. I was like, OK. So, dude, I take off sprinting. And he, he's blowing a whistle every time he wants me to go down. Dude, I get to the other side. I'm throwing up. Man, I'll never forget. I was throwing up grape holes, you know, like eight grapes at that point. And uh, Jim Gillespie comes over. He goes, all right, that's it. He's done. I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot. Where were you, like 700 up? <laughs> but it was that kind of stuff, man. We were tough. Um, you know, as defensive players do, we were almost just operating on brainstem. They said go. We went, dude. We, we, we did some incredible stuff, man, incredible stuff. Yeah. Man, truly nasty bunch players, guys like you and me, they sit, tell you to jump how high. I mean, especially by the time I see our senior year. But, uh, man, that's good stuff. Coach Williams, our running back coach, the toughest of tough coaches. Great leader, man, but you didn't want to get on his bad side. That's the thing. No, 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 I went the other way. Yeah, yeah, you didn't want to go to his bad side. I love Coach Williams. But, man, fast forward to 96, man, this is where kind of your time here, you know, we're, we're, we're talented, man. We're, we're making a name for ourselves. And we got this Georgia game coming up, man. Man, walk and, us through that Georgia win, KD, and what that meant for and, and, you know, and I tell people all the time, um, 96 was my peak year, dude. I was I was in great shape, felt good about myself. If, probably should have walked away after that because, dude, then, like, you know, uh, what was it, John Nix and uh, what was the other young freshman D lineman? The Quincy Scott? Yeah, DQ, all those guys. I couldn't, those guys had motors I couldn't even touch, you know? And uh, so basically my senior year, I just became a, a rest of y'all player. Hey, they're going to be in the rest of y'all come in eventually. Yeah, yeah, don't do yourself like that. You were still a key performer. But, I, oh, yeah. but DQ, yeah, John Nix, they were NFL guys for years. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But I, I loved it, dude. That meant we were getting better and all that kind of stuff. You know, but anyway, that 96 year, dude, I felt great. You know, we all felt great. And, dude, we go to Georgia. And we had a lot of Georgia players, man. And uh, between the hedges and dude, they had uh, what was his name? Robert Edwards, dude. Yep. That running back, he was probably the best physical specimen I've ever seen in person. I mean, his uniform had veins and muscles. I don't even know how he did it, dude. He looked like a superhero. And uh, dude, I never forget. There was a couple of things about that game. <laughs> that game uh, we played against uh, Heinz Ward, dude. Listen, you remember that? You remember the call op? So if y'all don't know out there, it'd be a, you know, I don't know, 98 bam op. But the option was me as a nose, I would take one step back and cover a dragon tight end coming across. Remember that? Yeah, anyway, yeah. So Marchant would call the plays and he's like, whatever, whatever op. And so that just meant either rush your quarterback or take one step back and try to declete the tight end coming across. Well, anyway, so there I was, I step up, take one step back. And basically I'm in free space, you know, and I look and I look. And here comes Heinz Ward running across the field. He's a drag across the middle, dude. And I'm like, man, I'm about to kill this guy. And uh, the offensive coordinator at Georgia right now, wasn't that the quarterback? Is it Bobo? Bobo, Bobo. The quarterback yeah, was Bobo for Georgia in 96, yep. Yeah. So, anyway, he steps back and he fires this rocket, dude. And it's coming right at me. And I'm like, 
oh my God, I'm about to be a hero. I can quit football at this. I put my hands up. <laughs> Dude, it's one inch from my hand. Heinz Ward comes in, snatches it out of my hands, and runs for like 50 yards, dude. That guy was amazing. That play makes me laugh. And then the other play is when um, – and I got a picture of it. Dude, they run a swing pass to Robert Edwards. I run my fat ass on the other side, if I can say that. But anyway, run my you butt. You say field. ass. Ass. I got you. I got you. all you want. It's fine. Bad. <laughs> bad. But anyway, uh, Nikki Seymour makes him break down. And, dude – it looked like I hit him really hard, but it was just I was exhausted and falling down as I hit him. But dude, knocked him out of the game, dude. Knocked Robert Evans. That was that was like my most victorious moment as a college football player, dude. So I uh, love that. I love dude, that. I, got, I should have found it, dude. I got hedges and glass, dude. We stole hedges and, and dude, dude, you remember that? I mean, oh yeah, that is sacred ground. Those hedges oh, yeah. at Georgia I, Stadium. Dude, I remember Georgia fans screaming, arrest that guy. Ooh, I thought I really thought security and police are going to get us because we were taking yeah. the heads and pulling them out. Yeah. Casey, <laughs> you, know, Casey Keese, you know, 6'6", 380 pounds. It looked like he was holding like an entire oak tree walking around. <laughs> yeah, I got a picture of him in my teeth, man, smiling up that way. But, dude. One of my favorite things that went in that Georgia and that game taking the hedges, that was also flying back into Hattiesburg. Dude, remember all the people at the airport there to greet us? Man, yeah. that was so cool. That was amazing. I felt like Bill Murray in stripes when he gets off the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we party uh, in the night. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible, dude. That was incredible. Oh, man, just a great moment in Southern Miss history beating Georgia back then, man. And, you know, 96 doesn't go according to plan. We wound up being co-champs, losing to Houston. And, uh, yep. unfortunately, 8-3, don't even get to a dang bowl, but whatever. But it gets into 97, man. Unfinished business. Yeah, we knew we were good, top to Dip. bottom. We just knew we were gonna have a good year. What that unfinished slogan mean to you? What, what's that? Diff, do it for the team, man. Remember that. Do it for the team, all that, man. Yeah. What did unfinished business that slogan going in '97 mean to you? Yo, yeah, dude. We, uh, you know, we would just burn. You know, it was like didn't get. We had the recognition, the numbers. I mean, golly, we were top whatever defense, and um, just incredible. You know, I remember Coach Thompson just like. We got to do it, guys. So it started, man, in winter workouts. Dude, we worked harder than those winter workouts. Uh, people don't, don't know, leading up to spring practice, it's a month of getting up at 5 in the morning. And you, it, it, it's harder than any military training I've been through. And, dude, it's – Kendall, I mean, tell, tell them what we had to wear in an un-air-conditioned – the old gym on campus. Tell them what we had to wear. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you know, we're blessed now, 2003 uh, – 2023 now with, you know, all this – you know, polymers and stuff that wick sweat away. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we were wearing the thickest sweatsuits you can ever imagine. It was literally cut off the back of a sheep and put onto us. It was it was like run around a wool blanket and dude, no air condition. I've never, I've never sweat that much in my life. And it was cold outside sometimes in South Mississippi, but um, <laughs> it, it was insane, dude. And then you know, we're running perfect sprints. You got different drills. We had to wrestle each other. Uh, it was just phenomenal stuff we had to do. But I'm going to tell you, God, we had hate in our heart. I mean, uh, unbelievable, dude. And it was just incredible. Yeah, those wrestling matches we had to do a winter workouts. Man, I remember some, you know, Coach Marshan, Casey Keith, wrestle, just hit the mat. Right. And I'm like, hey, right. close quick. Hit Casey Keith is 6'5", 3'10". 
10, strongest, meanest guy on the team. We got to wrestle this guy. And, and dude, think about Coach McGee, you know, as our strength coach, he hit his deep voice. He was he was the wrestling match, you know, referee. Oh, he you was know, like the ref, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he was like, all right, get up there. He's like, Rob Brown and Kendall Dunn, go. And, you know, if y'all don't know, Rob Brown, he squatted like 800 pounds, and he was just an incredible athlete. So Rob Brown and I sit back to back, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to beat this dude wrestling. I want him there. So I whip around, I grab his head, and I push it in between the mats. Well, if you remember – Rob would throw up like he get exhausted pretty quick. So I just oh, like, I do remember every day. Yeah, the little throw up yeah, action. <laughs> I just lay something, dude, and he pops up, and I'm like, I look at his face and I get out of the way, and dude, he throws up all over uh, one of the other players. <laughs> and then you know the guy sitting there with puke on him, and he's like, "Can I change?" And they're like, "No, you can't change." I mean, that's not <laughs> hard. It it was it was crazy. Good times. Oh. Yeah, good times. We're gluttons for punishment to call it. Oh, yeah. It must be crazy. But, man, so getting the 97 season, you know, we knew we were good. We were building character with winter workouts and stuff, man, and unfinished business. And, uh, you know, it gets all the way, you know, through that season. We're doing well. But to me, it gets to that Houston game in 97 at yep. the Rock. That's the one I had circled. I don't oh, know yeah. what games. We could have went 0-10 just so we beat Houston, man. Was that a game? Oh, we'll man. actually talk about that game, man, and what it meant to all of us. Yeah, dude, <laughs> It was an incredible game. What I mean, what was your thoughts at the end of the game? I mean, fans rushing fields. I mean, it was Dude, it, You know what? I forget. They did tear the goalpost down in that game. They did. People forget Dude. about that. I forgot about that. We tore the Dude. goalpost. Dude, <laughs> I, I know. I could show you where I was standing watching them tear the goalpost down. Because, you know, we were going to get to go to the Liberty Bowl, and that was just kind of icing on the cake. But, you know, the meat and potatoes was the five years that led us to that point. Yeah. And, not everybody gets that, dude. And we watched him tear down a goal. And I just stood there and I was like, wow, you know, we made it. This is it, you know. And uh, it was, dude, it was incredible, man. I, it was unbelievable, dude. It, it was just a projection. That's a good way to put it. I mean, 93, uh, we had a rough year. 94, we're building. 95, we're that close to being 10 and 1. 96, you know, 8 and 3, that close to being champs. And the 96 just culminated. And then we were conference champs, get to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, which was the gold standard for Southern Miss football back in the late it 90s. It was. So, man, the Liberty Bowl week, winning the Liberty Bowl, you know, end of our senior year, man. I mean, it, it was just a lot of hugs, a lot of tears. It was bittersweet in a way. It was. It was. But man, that Liberty Bowl week and win that game, what'd that mean, man? Oh, man. it, Dude, that Liberty Bowl week, the whole week was just so much fun. We, there was no doubt in our minds we were going to win that game. I mean, Cali, the players we had, you could have put anybody in front of us. It wasn't going to be a they – didn't, they didn't have a shot. But uh, just the whole week, man, I really sat back and tried to enjoy it because I was like, this is it. You know, I had no idea what my future was going to be. Um, but I was like, this is it. This is going to be my last football game, and we're going out on top. And it, it was going to be awesome. And it was, dude. The weeks of practice, uh, that week of practice, you know, my roommate was uh, Jim Kitchen and uh, – and Jim, you know, we were just kind of doing walkthroughs, and Jim caught me slipping. He knocked me on my butt, man. It was so much fun. I mean, it was just funny. Uh, memory, you know, he still – he'll mention he still got me. But, um, you know, him – us laying in – you know, that's another thing people don't realize. Like, your, your room dog on the road, the stuff you would talk about and hang out. Jim was my roommate at the Peabody, and it was so much fun, dude. The memories are popping back real quick now, you know. Um, being in those team meetings, Coach Thompson, 
uh, all those guys, dude. And then, and then winning the game, freezing to death, you know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely freezing. My, my wife now, she was at the game. Um, we didn't see each other in college, but we dated after college. But anyway, she still talks about how cold it was, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was insane, dude, but it was incredible. And, and look, and let me tell you, you go look back, you know, the Liberty Bowl stuff, the newspaper, there's you holding a Liberty Bowl trophy. Dude, I'm right there with you, but I, I was just taking it in. I wish now I would have grabbed the trophy with you. <laughs> Some of the other guys that got to be in all the pictures, but I, it's forever burning my memory, dude. That picture, I was standing one foot away from you. Um, just awesome. It was just so much fun. And then, you know, Patrick Sertain's going to NFL and freaking his agent rolls up that Lexus, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, but good times, the people that we all met up there in Memphis and uh, somebody's vehicle got stolen. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> but uh it was good times dude oh, oh yeah great times man partying hard with the southern miss fans on bill street all over memphis man that night i know that i woke up the next morning like whoo that was fun but i got a yeah. headache i got yeah. a headache <laughs> yes, sir. But, yes, sir. but man it being a little bittersweet obviously man you and i we built such a great friendship great teammate bond man but it was over and i remember us talking like kind of what's next man what, what's i mean when football's kind of over, it's rough. It's it's one of the sports. It's over. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's over. over. And I knew it was over, over when spring practice started and weren't workouts and you weren't invited. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, man, I, I KD, I've talked to basketball players, tennis players, golf players. I'm like, man, you guys can get five on five basketball. You can play golf, you can play tennis whenever you want. I'll never be able to get 22 guys, count myself, lined up, full pad, and let's get after it. Never. When it's over, it's over. And it sucks. It's done. <laughs> it does. It, it's done. Because I'm going to tell you, man, there's a lot of times in my life that I wish I could decleat somebody. You know what I mean? Oh, man. You so, know, it's just, it's, just no, I matter, have, no matter what happened during the day, you knew practice was coming, and I was fighting somebody. I I just like to I like to fight back then, you know, in the on the, yeah, on the yeah, you did. like real bunch of, uh man KB. You do what? You were salty, man. Oh man, you know, oh. but it was just fun. You knew you could take it out on people, dude. And 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 it and then once that was gone, it was like, man, what do you do with all this? You know? So so man, your mindset after football, man, it's it's pretty fascinating because you know it's over, man. Where was your mindset right there? I mean, if did, did it go straight into the military or where was no. your mindset right after football? So, man, you know, whatever, I don't know who's going to watch this college graduates, whatever, but, you know, I graduated at, I remember coach Bauer used to always tell us, he talked to us about school. He's like, Hey, you make a million dollars more in your, over your lifetime. If you have a degree. So I fought hard to get that degree. I still see uh, Leanne James lives around here. She was an academic advisor and, <laughs> You know, just told her always thanks for putting up with me. But I didn't have any direction, man. I didn't know any college graduates in my family. I mean, we had some, don't get me wrong, but um, media family, nobody was really looking to go to college. And then um, all of a sudden I get my degree and, and I'm out on the street. Well, I made a deal with myself. I wasn't going to stay in Hattiesburg because I just I didn't want to just stay. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I moved back to the coast, my parents, and, you know, you try to get a job. And then I did the best thing ever. I moved to New Orleans. So I moved back to New Orleans with a good buddy of mine and uh, we started working. And then I'm like, dude, 
I need to do something. I got to get back to that motivation, teamwork, all that stuff. Well, I thought, man, what did you always want to be? I wanted to be a pilot. I wasn't very smart, but I was, I tried hard, you know, I just kept showing up. So I went, I went to the air force initially back then, dude, you need to be an engineer, the Navy, the Marines. That's what I really wanted to do. I want to be a Harrier pilot, but you know, you had to start on that stuff in college. You know, it's not it's like being a doctor. You want to be a doctor. You need to start like your freshman year getting biochem, you know, but you couldn't just one day I'm going to be a doctor. But, uh, so anyway, long story short, I ran into some army guys, dude, army guys, and uh, they had a program, and I was able to sign up and got accepted, you know. Thank God I had that Southern Miss background and um, football background, and I got accepted, dude, and I went left for the army. Man, and, and kind of getting to that, I mean, your career and the way you're trained, dude, you are highly trained from Army and Air Force backing, man. I mean, your resume is tremendous, what you know. Your expertise in helicopters and airplanes is through the roof. Yeah. Uh, man, talk about that training. I mean, because that, that just it's stuff I can't fathom to be that good with a helicopter and airplane. Mm -hmm. I don't know how good. I tell you, I'm much better with a helicopter than an airplane. But, uh, but yeah, you man. prefer helicopters. You prefer helicopters. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the most fun flying is helicopters. Dude. You get low and fast. Uh, but, man only having a couple hours of gas dude ain't much fun and my c-130 dude we got 10 hours of gas we can go to hawaii we can go somewhere else you know a helicopter you're barely getting out of mississippi before you got to get new more gas you know but um yeah it was good man joined the army basic training warrant officer school um did a bunch of other schools and eventually went to flight school went to officer candidate school became a uh a lieutenant deployed as a platoon leader um, came back, flew for a while, did stuff at Camp Shelby, um, flew some Hueys, Blackhawks. I mean, if anybody watches this, they understand all that stuff, military. But did some cool stuff, met, met some great people. Um, and then, dude, one day, man, I ran into a guy uh, that used to fly helicopters and flew for the Hurricane Hunters. And, dude, we started talking and, you know, everything, nothing's easy. But uh, eventually I got to go to Air Force pilot training. And, dude, that was just catch me out dude flying these little uh trainer planes dude doing loops and rolls and absolutely insane i mean uh you know flying around an aircraft that has an ejection seat you know that just blew my mind and then moved on to uh, another twin jet uh, twin engine jet trainer i mean dude i flew at forty-one thousand feet in that thing it's like man this is nuts i can remember we did a cross country we actually came back to gulfport from texas Dude, we were over LSU at 30,000 feet because it was clear. I could see straight down and we were over LSU. I knew where we were. And from LSU to Gulfport, we were going over 500 miles an hour and it said 10 minutes, you know, and that's when airplane flying just changed for me. I was like, wow, that's crazy. You can really cover some distance. Did that and went to C-130 school um, up at Little Rock and then became a hurricane hunter, basically. Um but yeah, did a lot of cool stuff. Went to survival school, survival school, man. It was a lot of like, felt like it was a lot of football two a day, Southern Miss stuff. You know, <laughs> people know about survival school. It's pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. Awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm very, I've been in 21 years or so now and, you know, looking at the twilight side of the career, but yeah, it's been pretty great. Man, that's incredible, man. This is all that kind of stuff makes you a great American. Just, oh, by the way, awesome. Mark, 
asked me to put up this flag. So I, I did. I mean, it's I want a garrison flag. It's flown over a base. I want Kendall Dunn. I wanted fireworks. I wanted the flag. I, I wanted, you know, I wanted it all. I, I wanted I him in want a skull it. cap American flag. <laughs> because who's in America? But, hey, man, real quick, I want to hit on something, too, man. Obviously, we talked about the Hurricane Hunter stuff, which is balls of steel stuff. But, man, your deployment, you, you have been deployed. You've been to Kosovo, among other de deployments for you. Man, you mentioned, man, you, you, you made some great friends and you lost some great friends, man. Yeah. I mean, what, what's that yeah, man, travel I, like, you know, to, to deal yeah. with things like that? Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, aviation in general, you're going to lose. I mean, it's just guaranteed you're going to lose friends. Um, there was a guy, man, he was my uh, – He's a guy I flew with all the time. His name was Aaron Weaver, dude. He um he actually was a sergeant in Black Hawk Down. So like you read the Black Hawk Down book or ever watch the History Channel documentary, he's mentioned in there. <clears throat> and then he became a pilot, man, dude. Let me tell you his story real quick. Just credible dude. He was an Army Ranger, bad to the bone. Um, and it was funny us flying together because he was about I don't know five four. 100 and you know 50 pounds and i'm 6'3 at the time you know about 235 and he's real like super energetic it's like hey spike come on spike you know remember those cartoons and he, <laughs> we i remember we had a check ride together dude and he's like the the uh, evaluator pilot's asking me a question and i'm very like if you ask me what color this flag is i'll be like red white blue like very and he's like well what about it was made by Betsy Roth? And, you know, like he would he asked oh, yeah. questions. I'm like, bro, calm down. But um, anyway, super cool. But anyway, so he actually got OH 58s. People that know that out there, it's a little small uh, reconnaissance helicopter, rockets, all this kind of stuff. Long stories. Whole units deploy in Iraq. He gets diagnosed with testicular cancer, so he stays back, gets that all treated. Um, it was about a, like a year before his deployment. They knew they were going. He gets treated, gets over testicular cancer. He had lost like 50 pounds taking chemo and stuff. Dude, he meets his unit in country, does a lot of like America, you know, sending uh, freedom seeds, you know, bullets down and just all this great stuff. Anyway, dude, he gets on a Blackhawk, which was not his helicopter to fly to get evaluated. They were doing CT scans or PET scans. Dude, gets shot down over Fallujah and dies. I know, man. And that's crazy. You know, you know, you lose an American like that. Like, God, this dude was incredible. So much to live for. Um, and, you know, I, and I and I tell you and I tell a story. I tried hard to go to Iraq, man, like hard. Like we were on the track to go to Iraq and then like Katrina happened. So our unit got pulled to stay home and fix stuff. And then we wound up going to Kosovo. I tried and I tried. And I look back, man, We I lost so many friends. And I'm like, man, that probably would have been me. You know, I, I, my family, you know, obviously they're glad I didn't go um, because who knows, but lost a lot of good people. But Aaron Weaver, man, his story is cool. Um, not cool. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it like that, but he's got a no, great no, no, no. Story. Um, but mm. great family. But, dude, my other roommate, dude, he was shot down as Apache pilot, was a POW man, mm. got released. He's got a great redemption story. I, I was very blessed, like the same – people we knew in football, man, I got to go know these guys in the military. And it was, it was cool. Very fortunate. Some people you didn't like and you wouldn't deal with for one second, just like in football, we didn't talk to some people on the team, but then there was some, would you do anything to be with? Um, 
but yeah, very fortunate, man. And then from the army moved to air force, great people in air force, some of the mm-hmm. stuff that people have done just incredible, man. The, the military and what people sacrifice it's, it's insane. Absolutely. And with the family sacrifices, man, that's the, the big insane part. Man, that's incredible stories right there, KD, the amount of sacrifice that, you know, you give or our military gives and the families, you know, give, you know, their loved ones. I mean, it's just the debt of gratitude and respect. I just don't think we can even say it enough. I mean, putting your lives on the line for freedom, you know, literally in the greatest country in the world, you know, and it comes comes at a price. It does, man. And guys like you, like I said, intestinal fortitude, balls of steel, (laughs) I'm not the tough guy. This guy is. <laughs> well, there's a, and dude, look, there's a lot of parallels. You know, we gave up our bodies and sacrificed to get that scholarship and that college education. It's the same thing. We get sacrificed to, you know, military gave me my wings and gave me the opportunity to have, you know, give my family stuff I didn't have. Um, see things around the world, you know, um, you know, see how bad some places can be. Um, pretty cool look, you know, going in places like flying into Gitmo. And uh, down in Cuba, and America still owns a place in Cuba, which blows my mind. And you land there, and dude, there's guys sitting on a tower pointing guns at you. You know, it's it's wild, dude. We, yeah, we we do live in the greatest country, and and uh, I just wish people get on board and appreciate it more. Because I tell you what, when you go overseas, they see us as Americans. They don't see anything. They don't see race. They see Americans, and uh, they hate us all the same. Some of them do. You know what I mean. No, I, no I, I get it, man. You've, you've seen all the highs and lows that I, can, I can't even imagine, man, what's going on sometimes in the world. But, but man, just man, it's been awesome to have you on today, KD. I, I, you know me, I could talk to you all day. I text you non, nonsensical stuff all the time. So let, let's, oh, talk man. let's talk something serious. But, hey, man, real quick, I want to – I respect your time for you, man. Your family, you got an awesome family life, man. What's, what's some family life updates in, in, in the Dunn family? Yeah, dude. Um you know, got two great kids, great wife, been with my wife since uh, 2000, got married 2001. You had the wedding, you know. That's great the- time, too. I got, I, yeah. I got a little drunk. I had to. Yeah, bit. yeah. No, I think we all- <laughs> Mustang Sally still rings on my head from the band. But, uh, <laughs> you know, been fortunate. Uh, great family, dude, great kids. My son is uh, planning on going into nursing at the other college uh, that we won't discuss, but took him for visits up there, you know, but, and that's part of it, you know, his whole life, he went to sell the miss. So it was like, he's been there, done that. It's kind of like friends that, you know, they were LSU alumni or state or whatever. The kids go somewhere else. Cause they're just like been there, done that. I won't make my own trail. So anyway, my kids about to leave for college, which is a whole different chapter. You know, you experienced it what last year or two years ago. Um, it's just a whole nother world. I can't believe what it's old. And especially you get to keep your hair. So, doesn't make you look as old, you know? Yeah, KD, I'm sorry about this, man. But, yeah, I still got mine, brother. I still got mine, baby. <laughs> hey, KD, real quick, man. I, You know, this being a 4th of July special show, I, I don't think, you know, it could come from the heart from anybody better than you. When I say the word America. America. what Or America. I want to put it today, baby. What does that word mean to you? Man. I'm going to tell you, America, now that, you know, I read a meme, dude, that said, welcome to your 30s. You're either going to start studying about barbecue or study about, uh, you know, World War II history. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of funny. But, uh, dude, America, I, let, let me tell you, my son, I didn't mention my son's in Boy Scout. So I was at Boy Scout camp last week. You know, it's 100 degrees outside. But, dude, every morning that flag would go up. 
you know, and it was neat to watch my son's little Boy Scout troop be involved and hoisting the flag. And I was, I was, you know, the other, the other dads don't have um, really military experience. So I helped them raise the flag, that kind of thing. But let me tell you, man, that flag going up, those kids saying the Pledge of Allegiance, girls, boys, um, you know, just shaping hearts and minds, dude, it's the greatest country where when I think of America, dude, it's, it's an opportunity. Take two kids from New Orleans, you know, people know your story, my story. I was adopted, you know, you were, you, you were adopted. I was adopted. We shared that, that bond, um, you know, and, you know, my, our parents did their best. And then, dude, we took an opportunity. We ran with it. Um, very fortunate to be successful. Dude, I remember being in Kosovo, flying a Blackhawk, and I landed one time, and we were talking to some kids. And I'll never forget this guy going, man, I couldn't do that if I wanted to. I said, what do you mean? He's like, we don't even have that opportunity. So in his lifetime, he would never have the opportunity to fly, you know. And Anyway, but when I think of America, dude, I think of the freedom, Mill Cunny, all that stuff. The older we get, dude, the closer we're to the end of our life, it's an amazing country opportunity, man, nothing but opportunity. So, Hey, what did they used to say? Ain't nothing, but, uh, you got to make your own luck, you know? Yeah. This is the country to do it in, man. And and things like that, like we said, that's why we bonded so well, man. We, we, we came from not a whole lot, man. You know, I I was adopted by a boy's home when you say adoption, you know, after my parents passed away, but we had that little bond going and built a strong bond and got us a championship at Southern Miss brother. So, but KD, once again, from a great American, from a great <laughs> Golden Eagle, man, you're you're a, you're a great former teammate of mine, man. You know, I, I can't thank you enough for being on my show today, KD. Love it, love it. Hey, let's keep growing it, uh, dude. I'm, I appreciate you doing this, man. You you know you put the fire back in my heart. You know, I've been through so much. You know, you and I have talked about it. I've been through so much and so many like different teams where you know, I wasn't involved as much as I should be, but crap between deployments and drills and just all that. But, you know, you getting fired up about this. It's, it's brought me back up. You know, we got things to build from new head coach baseball's doing well. Basketball did well. I mean, you know, we just got to keep getting people involved and Hey man, always said we can build 1000 solid fans a year, dude. And you know, just good time. That's a great way to put it. No, I had my downtime, man, where I wasn't, in the Southern Miss as much as I needed to be. But I tell you what, the past three, four years, uh-uh, baby, you cut me open. It's black and gold. It, you cut you it. open, it's black and gold and red, white, and blue. I'm, but there I'm you just go, black man. and gold. <laughs> so, but once again, KD, love having you on, man. Can't wait to I'll text you probably after something silly after the show, man. But I think a great way to end it would be to give all the Southern Miss fans on 4th of July a big Southern Miss to the top. To the top. All right, go, KD, man. catch up soon, man. All right, man. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you.